Welcome back to another episode of the Leading Saints podcast. If you've enjoyed content on this podcast, it's important that I tell you about the Leading Saints newsletter that we send out every week. This newsletter keeps you up to date on all the current Leading Saints content releases, including podcasts, articles, online events, and even live events that might be happening in your own area. In this newsletter, we also recommend some past episodes and written articles that you don't want to miss. Each week, we include additional leadership perspectives and thoughts that you can only find in the weekly newsletter, so you definitely don't want to miss out. To subscribe to the weekly newsletter, simply text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe so you don't miss any future Leading Saints content. I'm here with uh, Burn. Tell us, Burn, where are you from and uh, how'd you find Leading Saints and uh, why do you support Leading Saints? My name is Burn. Yeah, I'm from Mesa, Arizona. And um, I was actually forwarded a, a podcast from my wife. My wife and myself are our missionaries in the addiction recovery program. She is a facilitator of a Tuesday night group of women that pretty strong group. And these women all listen to your podcast. And so she forwarded one to me and that of course got forwarded on and on. And I, this was just uh, probably a, a little bit before the summit that you held. So I am myopic in my point of view, because everything that has to do with, that has to do with the marginalized issue matters to me because I feel so marginalized. I myself am only back in the church since 2017. I was excommunicated and had to find my way back. And that can be a very lonely process that unfortunately leaders don't know how to help sometimes with that process. And that included testimony building and just being able to express myself and and who I really was. So the Leading Saints podcast give that. There's so many different points of view that that have come across to me in a powerful way that have said, yeah, you're not alone. And um, that is, uh, so I, I connect with the podcast and so many of the different topics that you have. This is the Leading Saints Podcast. My name is Kurt Frankham, and I welcome you back for another episode. Unless this is your first time, if it is, you should know that we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization called Leading Saints, just like the title of the podcast. And our mission is to help Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creations, through various methods like this podcast, written articles at leadingsaints.org. We do virtual conferences. We have a weekly newsletter. And uh, I encourage you to be a part of all of it. Great content, unique and diverse uh, perspectives on leadership and approaches that definitely will bless any leadership uh, capacity in which you serve. And it's a lot of fun as well. So in this episode, we bring back one of the most popular guests in the history of Leading Saints, and that is Deanna Murphy. Deanna is incredible. And those of you that have heard her past episodes know just how full of heart, how full of motivation you feel when uh, you listen to her and her guidance is, is such at the core of everything, every issue, every problem. She's never on the surface. She has a, a talent of getting to the core of, of whatever leadership dynamic she's in, and uh, she does a remarkable job. So her background is actually as the chief organizational development officer for People Acuity, 
Her 25-year global career as an organizational psychologist, expert learning and development practitioner, and executive coach has given her extensive proficiency in the assessment of organizational needs and culture, design, implementation, and evaluation of programs and assessment tools, delivering of exceptional professional development expertise, particularly for teams, executives, and emerging leaders. Now, we'll link to uh, peopleacuity.com. You can go there, read her more uh, in-depth bio. But in this episode, Deanna Murphy and I have always stay in touch and uh, bounce ideas off of each other. And uh, I often tell her the door is wide open anytime you want to come on the Leading Saints podcast. And she threw this idea at me the other uh, the other month about talking about teaching in the Savior's way virtually, because right now a lot of us are facing virtual elders quorum, virtual relief society, virtual Sunday school. And how do you have a dynamic, impactful, transformational lesson, instruction through that uh, medium? And so uh, Deanna had some ideas and said, great, let's do it. We actually did this interview via the uh, Facebook Live, and so there'll be some live comments and things coming through that I'll reference. But she just does a phenomenal job, and she referenced a handout that will make sure by the end of the episode you know how to get a, a copy of that handout, and uh, so you can use it and, uh, and apply these principles more effectively. So here is my interview with Deanna Murphy. Welcome, everybody. This is uh, Kurt Franken with Leading Saints, and we're going to be talking with Deanna Murphy about the concept of, of teaching in the Savior's way online, right? This is a, a concept that uh, many individuals are maybe struggling with right now, especially as we try and do remote classes or elders quorums or relief societies. And uh, we want to get as many ideas out there to to uh, talk about that. So Deanna, we'll bring you in here. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. And I'm glad to be with you again, Kurt. I always enjoy our time together. Thanks so awesome. much. And, you know, uh, many people have heard some past uh, podcasts that you've been a part of and, and whatnot. Uh, maybe just give us a brief background of, of who you are, what you do, and uh, what's le- led to this discussion and some of your experience here. Well, thank you. I, I lead the organizational development efforts of an organization called People Acuity, and we do leadership development throughout the world. Uh, we've been delivering virtually for eight years and have had a lot of success in about 32 different countries. And so, One of the things that I've really noticed, I have had a lot of experience right here in our stake with some of the leaders just struggling so much with virtual classrooms and wanting to be able to accelerate people's ability to create authentic connection with others when you come into a virtual classroom and for people to feel the spirit the same way that we would if we could be knee to knee and eye to eye and have the ability to counsel together in that way. A lot of people are intimidated by virtual environments. And so today, Kurt and I had talked together, counseled together, actually, about how can we accelerate leaders' ability during this time to have positive experiences virtually and help others to fill the Spirit and fill the Savior's love. So we'll be talking about a very brief and very simple way to, to approach your lessons or your, or your talks or whatever you may be doing in a way that invites others in and gives them a chance to participate and counsel together and experience the same gifts that we would if we were live. Love that. So where, where should we start with this discussion? I mean, as you have uh, teachers that may approach you as, as, as you maybe give advice to people, where, where's the place that you start with them? Well, how about let's start right now with, uh, with the scripture. I, I'm thinking if you're open to it, Kurt, why don't you pull out your, your cell phone scriptures? Let's okay. do it in Doctrine and Covenants 43 together. Doctrine and Covenants 43, 8 through 10 has some really important direction to give us that I believe can help us while we're learning how to teach 
and operate in a virtual environment. So let's look at DNC 43A through 10. And Kurt, maybe if you don't mind reading it, let's, yep. just, let's just take on this together. And as uh, those of you who are listening, as you listen to Kurt, listen for the promises that come and what it is that's required of us. And then, Kurt, let's just talk a little bit together about some of the terms that the Savior uses there and what that means for us in a virtual environment. So take it away, Kurt. All right. Doctrine and Covenants 43, 8 through 10. And now behold, I give unto you a commandment that when you are assembled together, ye shall instruct and edify each other, that ye may know how to act and direct my church, how to act upon the points of my law and commandments, which I have given. And thus ye shall become instructed in the law of my church and be sanctified by that which ye have received. And ye shall bind yourselves to act in all holiness before me. That inasmuch as ye do this, glory shall be added to the kingdom which ye have received. Inasmuch as ye do it not, it shall be taken, even that which ye have received. So let's just pause for a second, Kurt, and let me ask you. So we're in a virtual environment. Yeah. What words jump off the page to you when you read those verses? You know, the first one that came off is... uh, the, the sanctified word. I mean, I think that's something we always, we want people to, to have a change, a personal changing experience, uh, maybe during a interaction, you know, a church interaction. And then you shall bind yourselves. You know, that's a unifying factor that comes to mind that when we, we grow closer, we, we bind closer together uh, through that, that instruction. Wow. I'm, I'm just, as I'm, I'm listening to how you've just come to the essence there, Kurt, it's a noticing in our day, what's important about one, being sanctified, and two, being bound together at this time of division and tearing down. What's important about being bound together? I mean, <laughs> the, 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 you know, in this technological world of, of social media and, and these things where it seems like more and more people are, are uh, you know, the, the tribalism that's happening, we've, you know, separation that's happening, and and uh, we need, you know, that's a function in, in our church that's such a blessing is we have these wards that come together regardless of your economic status or background or, you know, we just come together because geographically we're in the same ward and, and it's an opportunity to, to unify that maybe the, the disunity that's sometimes perpetuated online or in the chaos of the, of, of the world. I'm loving what you're describing at a time when we're feeling more and more disconnected yeah. More and more pulled apart. The Lord has given us a promise that when we come together and instruct and edify one another, that our hearts will be bound together. I also love that you chose the word sanct- sanctify because I do believe there are two promises here in the in these two things that are keys to a Zion society, that we become sanctified, holy, pure. We are bound together with others who also are and I'd, I'd love you to also notice that one of the other gifts is that we are promised that we would know how to act. Mm. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been lots of times. I'm in Minneapolis when the rioting happened, when things were going crazy, when we literally were experiencing martial law, 700 buildings burning to the ground. We didn't know how to act. It was coming to our neighborhood. Wow. And, the, you know, there's something about uh, us counseling together in a virtual setting that gives us increased ability to know how to act and notice that even as we start today, we are doing what we are inviting others to do. 
And it's yeah. that there's a way that each person in a virtual environment sees something. And I interestingly had a, an, a conversation with a client earlier today who had said to me that she loved, she had heard feedback from her team that they got a better experience from the virtual the virtual gathering than they did live because everyone had a voice. Hmm. I thought, isn't that interesting? In this day where so many are marginalized or marginalize themselves because they don't think they're good enough, a virtual environment can ensure that all voices are in. And it's in noticing, let's just counsel together for a second. Kurt, when you when you read the phrase instruct and edify, I think in our, our church culture, we have very specific mindset about what that means. And I'm thinking the way that I'm seeing things and I'm watching the brethren, it's not meaning what it's always meant. Mm. And it's the cultural overlay of what that means may not be the same as it was when our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents were on their missions or were were alive. So when you hear the phrase instruct and edify, what comes to your mind, Kurt? You know, instruct, I I think of teaching, you know, sometimes we have an instructor in the room and it just seems like they're there to instruct. And maybe that's what's led to maybe more of a lecture format, but Mm -hmm. also edify. I mean, that's a, that takes the instructing to another level when it's paired with, with that word, because, uh, you know, rarely is one edified maybe when they just go and sit and listen or or when they're not maybe asked questions to to wrestle with and things like that. So I've often seen instructing, maybe not edification, or other times I've seen the edification and not so much the instructing. So I don't know, it's a interesting pair of words. I I am struck by an experience both during my time as a stake relief society president and now I'm now I'm a, a teacher for for the 14 and 15 year old Sunday school class and I'm struck how edification if you think about the source of edification mm-hmm. and you think about what edify is to be filled so filled with what Kurt what is it that we want each other to be filled with as we leave our experiences yeah you know I I think that the obvious answer is we want to be filled with the spirit. We want to be filled with fellowship, you know, the filled with community and, and unity, maybe. It's an interesting thing because one of the things that I'm noticing more and more as I'm watching the brethren come out into our congregations, as we see videos of them instructing more and more, I'm struck by how skillfully they ask questions. Hmm how skillfully they allow us to find our way into what do you think of that? What do you think of Christ? Interesting. Remember the Savior asking that question. What thinking of Christ? What do you think about this? Or what has been your experience with this? There is something very powerful. One of the things, so let's talk about if we want to be edified with the Spirit, we want everyone to feel it. We want them to touch it. We want them to have their experience with it. Now, you know, you've probably been in a meeting where a speaker shared a really touching story from their own life, but there's something that happens when a person finds their own story connected to whatever it is that we're talking about. If you don't mind us using another scripture, let's look at Mosiah 4. And the promises associated with Mosiah 4 verse 11, verse 11 is going to tell us, remember and always retain a remembrance. So it's getting people to remember the greatness of God, their own nothingness and his goodness towards them. And in verse 12, Kurt, notice what the promises are. If you want to read that out loud. Yeah. Uh, verse 12, and behold, I say unto you that ye, 
that ye do this, ye shall always rejoice and be filled with the love of God and always retain a remission of your sins. And ye shall grow in the knowledge of the glory of him that created you and in the knowledge of that which is just and true. Notice it's an interesting thing. I want you to notice what you just did. So we were just talking about remembering the greatness of God, our own nothingness or his goodness to us, our own experiences with him. And notice the last thing that you read. Read the last part of the verse again. You would do what? That you shall grow in knowledge of the glory of him that created you, or in the knowledge of that which is just and true. You would come to know truth. Mm. You would come to know the Savior. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee. How are they going to do that? By remembering. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So often, I believe as teachers, we miss an incredible experience because we want to impart wisdom. And we forget that the people sitting in front of us have been prepared for thousands of years to come to this earth. And that knowledge and insight is still in their spirit. And when they're invited to remember, it's like this, this intelligence opens up inside of them, Kurt, and it begins to flow to them. And they remember, and there is an edification that comes, and it's, it's happening from the spirit to their heart, and from their heart to another's heart. I'm loving where we're looking. So I think where we've landed so far is that instruct and edify might not always mean what we think it means. That when we include questions that invite people to remember, to reflect on their own experience, the experience of others from the scriptures, and draw in their experiences, something powerful happens. Let me, maybe, this isn't, a, this isn't a story related to virtual learning, but here's an example of that. I remember being a stake Relief Society president with a very notable sister in our stake. So she had a high public profile, and mm -hmm. she was wrestling with her faith. And her bishop asked me to meet with her because she was struggling, and he, he didn't know how to help her. And I was coming to her ward, and I remember sitting across from her feeling very anxious. You know, I'm, you know, we're all just normal human beings here. We get invited into these callings, and we don't know what we're doing, right? And I remember having the impression to ask her, tell me a time when you felt the Savior's love and you felt His truth strengthening and helping you. Now, when we started the, the meeting, I just have to say the look on her face, it was angry, like she was angry. and. And I, like, it, there was almost like, uh, I dare you to, to try to fix this, you know? And I, I didn't know how, so I didn't try. I, I invited her to remember. And something miraculous happened right before my eyes. And her face visibly softened. I saw her looking back in her mind, and she went to the story of her conversion. And she began to tell me of what it was like and how, when she finished reading the Book of Mormon, the experience of having the Spirit testify and sitting on the grounds of the temple and feeling the Spirit testify of the power of eternal families, and that's when she knew it was true. And by the time we were done, after she told her story, Kurt, she talked herself through her own problem. Hmm. I'd hardly said anything except for to ask a clarifying question. Wow. I'd invited her to remember, and she remembered. I'm discovering that one of the greatest gifts that we can do in our classroom is before we jump in or launch into a lesson, I'd love to offer, many teachers are not aware that there's a normal arc. And if we disrupt the arc, people aren't ready to learn. So arc actually is an acronym that stands for attune. A is attune. 
R stands for reframe. That's where we get in and we wrestle with the ideas. And C stands for complete. It's an arc. And so when we start the classroom, if you jump into reframe before people have attuned to one another, they're not ready. Mm. And so the wall's up. And if the wall's up, then they can't feel and hear each other. They tend to hold back. They're not as willing to engage. And so it's not that a teacher is a bad teacher. It's just that we've, the timing is miss, missing. It's, it's, it requires a step back. So when we start a class, we've got to attune. Now, the easiest way to do that with adults as well as youth is to ask them to find an experience. Now, when we, when we do this, we've put together a bit of a slide deck to share with you today. This is a template that I've shared. Actually, many of the parts of our ward are using it. We're using it in Relief Society and Sunday School in primary young women's because this is a tool that actually helps people. It just gives people a simple walkthrough. So I'm going to take you through and I'm going to show you what we do to attune, if you don't mind, Kurt. Yeah, so I'm going to make my best attempts here at getting this right. So we'll see if I can do that. Hoping yep. I, we are able to do that. So tell me if you see that. Yes, it is. Uh, a, it looks great. And we got, okay. there's a good 15 to 20 people that are watching. What Lindsay says, I don't have time to sit and watch yet. You've sucked me in. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the power of, it's actually just noticing what you're hungry for. So whenever we attune, so attuning requires, this is a weird thing, Kurt, but you realize that People need to have shared agreements about what's going to happen. And so in our classrooms, one of the things that we do is we say, let's invite three agreements. And the first one is a mindset. And it's the mindset that you don't have to know everything here. I, we like to call it confident humility. Instead of worrying about getting it wrong, just hold that you know some things, you don't know things. And no matter what you're going to do here, you're not going to get it wrong because we're just going to invite you to show up with what you have. And maybe what you have is a question. Maybe what you have is uncertainty, but share wherever you're coming from and just bring it. And then we invite people to speak to the fact that in a virtual classroom, the greatest gift we give is what happens when we interact with each other. And we I prefer in a virtual classroom to go in and out. And many of the, the wards and stakes around the world are using Zoom. Zoom has breakout rooms. It's a very simple feature. You just push a little button and everybody can go into a breakout room and have one-to-one -one partner conversations. They can be on camera. And I share with them, today when you come to this class, you're going to spend some time in a breakout room and your partner needs you to see them. Remember Michelle Craig's talk in general conference, having eyes to see. And I say, please use your gifts to serve your partner, help draw your partner out, see them, hear them. And here's the way you're going to do this. Two things, no judgment zone. So can you agree to not judge each other or yourself and just get curious when your partner says something, two things that you can do, either one, ask them a question that takes them deeper, just like I did with you. What does that mean to you? Or what's important about that to you? Yeah. And to repeat back what it sounds like you're saying is, is that it? Now, I actually did that with you, Kurt. If you notice, it's just something about sounds like what you're saying is that there's this place around binding our hearts together and creating sanctification that helps us during this tumultuous time. People need to hear their own words back. That strengthens them. So we invite them. Listen, you don't have to be a pro at anything. Just share back what you thought you heard and ask a deeper question, and that will help your partner. Are you willing to do that? 
this will attune people. It will put their walls down. It helps them know what to expect. So they're not scared. And then the second part of a tune is to help them connect with each other. So we invite them. You're going to go into a breakout room. Now, remember a time when you experienced whatever the lesson topic is. So Kurt, if this was, if we were in a virtual classroom together, I would say, Kurt, remember a time when you experienced a classroom and the spirit was present and you felt connected to other people who were there and you felt the Savior's love. When was it? What was it like? What created it? Now, let me stop sharing. And let's just, for the benefit of those who are listening, let's actually have that conversation only because it allows those who are viewing to go, this isn't some hypothetical thing. So it's real. And so for all of you who are listening right now, as Kurt finds his story and he thinks of a time, think of your own time. When were you in a classroom that was life-changing? You felt the Spirit of the Lord. You felt the Spirit speak to your heart. You felt connected to those who were present. When was it and what happened to create it? So Kurt, find your story and just notice the feelings that you have as you share it and watch and notice the feelings you have, those of you who are listening, as Kurt shares his story. So take yeah. it away, Kurt. Sure. Well, um, the where my mind went to is I was on a, uh, a leadership retreat. It was a, well, it was a Christian leadership retreat and uh, non-denominational, but so a lot of focus on on Christ and his gospel and these things. And and I just remember the feeling of, you know, being in a group where where there wasn't any judgment. You know, people could could share freely and and then, you know, we we would we would eat together after. And so in that moment it was just like I felt that unifying effect. You know, I felt like people were on the same page. Everybody there seemed engaged, you know. So that's what comes to mind. So just to model back what we were just speaking to in those three agreements, Kurt, uh, what was important about the no judgment zone space? There was no judgment there. Yeah, I guess it just invited each individual, including myself, to just be real and open up and share. You know, I was much more likely to raise my hand and, and contribute because I felt like I could be real. You know, there was a feeling like it was visceral for me when you said the word open. Yeah. So what's happening right now, and you can feel it because this is exactly what happens in a virtual room. When we open up, we make way for the spirit to come in. And it isn't just that, then, then all of a sudden, Kurt, I'm not afraid that I'm not good enough. I'm not afraid that you're smarter than me and I'm dumber than you, or I'm smarter, you know, or I'm smarter and you're dumber. Like all of that goes away. Yeah. All of the worry that is a natural part of being a human being, it disappears. And the only thing there is love yeah. and the presence of the Spirit. A tune takes five to seven minutes, maybe 10. And I would say slow is fast. When you first do it, people aren't used to it. We're used to going straight to the task of the lesson. If you go straight to the task of the lesson, you don't get people's hearts open. And right now, I don't know what's going on in your ward, but in our ward, our meetings are 30 minutes. Our second hour meetings yeah. are 30 minutes long. And so how do you get the spirit and create meaningful transformation in a 30-minute period? So <laughs> what, I've, what my experience has been that the, that the attuned piece, even if it takes the first 10 or 12 minutes, becomes important because then everyone is open and there's a flowing into. It's like my love flows into your love and your faith flows into my faith and the spirit that I feel flows into the spirit that you feel. And it's this grand synergy 
in some respects, Kurt, it's a it's a tiny version of Zion. Yeah. And it's we can do it in 30 minutes. You can create this island for these kids and these adults that are coming and they're disconnected and they're overwhelmed and they're anxious by the world. And we can create an island of safety, but you can't do it if people aren't open. So attune is the important part. Reframe is so easy. And we've already, in some respects, we've begun to show and demonstrate what reframe is about. If I go back to sharing screen, I've discovered it's like in our old, so this is my observation, in our past experiences, the past 40 or 50 years, a Relief Society or a Sunday School or Young Men's or Young Women's Lesson, it's a 30 or 40 minutes, 45 minutes of get as much in as we can. I've got to get through the lesson. And one of the things that I am noticing is when I prepare differently. So I've got a co-teacher in Sunday school. We read through the lesson independently. We write down the impressions that come, and then we come and we compare notes. And we say, of all the things that we read independently, what is the one thing that the Savior needs these kids to know now? When I was working with our Relief Society presidency to help them understand how do you co-teach and how do you create a virtual environment in 30 minutes that leaves people feeling loved and connected and longing to be together and feeling like they belong? And it means you pick one point. In 30 minutes, you can get one point if you're trying to create an experience. Now, when we do this, let me share screen and I'll just show you what we do. Again, this isn't really too fancy, to be honest with you, because I'm going to just show you. The screen won't really look that fancy because it's a placeholder. In our Relief Society lessons, we would take the quote from the conference talk. In our scripture lessons, I would actually pull the scripture and put it here, even though they all have their own devices. Some of them are on their phone to be in the lesson. And I don't want them, like I want them to stay. And so I want everybody to be able to see it. And so then we would read the quote together or the scripture together. Now, now Kurt, you'll notice if you'll, let's go back to what we did at the beginning. So we went to DNC 43. Yeah. And we went through 8 through 10 and we read it together. Now, I'd love you to notice one of the things a lot of teachers get really anxious about, what's the right question? The Savior taught with questions. He was good. What's the right question? I would love to give you the right question that will never be wrong, ever. And That's it's great. so nice to know there's a, there's, a nice, there's a right question and you will never get it wrong. And it's this, what jumped out at you? In fact, a lot of times before we read the quote or we read the scripture, I will say, I would like you to listen not with your ears. I'd like you to listen with your heart. I would like you to notice what word or phrase that the Spirit draws your attention to. And when it jumps out at you, notice it. Because there may be something special that the Spirit wants to say to you. So listen for it. Now, I've noticed that if I set up a scripture or a quote like that, every single time, someone or multiple someones will have an experience. Because they're looking, right? Whatever we seek, we find. So. Now I'm reading and I'm going, okay, there's something in this verse, there's something in this quote, and it's for me, and the Spirit's going to tell me. So I'm reading and I'm looking. So we read it together. And then usually what I would do, Kurt, is I would take it one step further and I would say, now read it to yourself again with your heart tuned into it and see what jumps out at you. And everyone could read it because it's right, on the, right, right, right there on the screen. And then here's what I'll usually do in case anybody wants to know. The chat box is a powerful tool. Every voice gets in if you use the chat box. So I'll say, now, go down to the chat box. 
write one word or phrase that jumped out at you. And that way everyone's fingers are engaged and I can immediately scroll through and call them by name. I noticed that Jackson chose the word bind. I see that Mackenzie picked the word sanctify. And then I can go back. So if, as I read their names and read the words, everyone hears their name. And hmm. there is something about being seen that matters. And then I can go back and I listen for the Spirit. And I go, okay, Heavenly Father, which of those words in this short time matters to you? And then I'll listen and I'll see what, where do you want me to go? And so I'll say, okay, Jackson, do you mind unmuting for a minute? Tell me what was important to you about the word bind. And then Jackson will say, well, I was thinking that it feels important because then I'm not alone. I've got other people, whatever his answer is, right? Yeah. And that becomes important. And I notice that the moment he does that, he's actually bearing testimony and he doesn't even know he's doing it. He's testifying of what the Spirit testified to him. And he becomes the mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost. And it's amazing because you can see it. And these kids, it happens for these 14-year-olds. And it happens for adults. And it's just giving them a voice and making it possible and making it not wrong. So many times, you know, we'll read a verse and we'll go, what do you think that means? Okay, I am going to judge myself that I don't know. Or if I speak up, it's wrong. So if you ask what jumped out at you, there's no wrong answer. If you invite everybody to go to the chat box and put their word or phrase, I use a word or phrase a lot coming out of, remember when at the end of a tune, I probably shouldn't go back and mention this. At the end of a tune, after share a time when, I always use share a time when, because remembrance always invites the spirit. Hmm. And so whatever the lesson topic is, I always use a remember question in a tune, because you will never go wrong. Remember a time when you felt the spirit and because the lesson was, you know, on fire, or remember a time when things were really hard and the spirit came and brought you comfort, or remember a time that you were struggling with your faith. And somehow you found a way forward. It's what the lesson's going to be about. But I let them tell their story first because of that. Coming out of the breakout room, here's my favorite debrief of that, especially in 30 minutes. I'll say, go to the chat box and write the word or phrase that describes how that conversation felt. Not what did you think? How did you feel? Mm -hmm. Now, you know, Kurt, I bet you can predict <laughs> Just going back to the experience of our kind of initial remember conversation, you start to tell your story. What feelings come to you as you remember? What are some of the words you'd use? You know, a lot of uh, a peace, a lot of acceptance. I don't know if I'm using right feeling words here, but... Uh, Beautiful. You know, just feeling of, uh, of community and, and unity, you know? Unity, acceptance, peace. I will guarantee you that you will hear those same kinds of words, regardless of what the conversation's about. Mm, yeah. In fact, I will predictably tell you, I've now used this hundreds of times, I've lost track of how many, and almost always the words from Galatians 5, 22 and 23 come out of it. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and on and on. Those words tend to be the word, it, it felt safe, it felt loving, it felt kind. It was gentle. Like, I'm really, it's amazing how those words continue to flow into. And I will then call attention to the fact do you realize what your words all add up to? You're feeling the Spirit. The Savior is here. He's speaking to you right now and calling attention to that. We all 
we are experiencing it often and we don't know we are. And so to just stop and do that, it verifies that the feelings and the experience that they've had is true. And it becomes a testimony meeting in small little pieces in one word or phrase in a chat box or a, a one minute story in a breakout room. Usually I'd make those breakout rooms about 90 seconds or two minutes per person. So it's okay. four minutes or so at the beginning. When we come back into reframe, the reframe is not really about trying to get their mind around the concept. It's helping them coming out of feeling the spirit to look at what does this mean for my life? And so the, a lot of times the words or phrase that we call attention to, we want to look at what does that mean to you is often a question I'll ask. What does that mean to you? Let's not try to figure out what it means to God. Let me just, what does it mean to you? Because then there's a, an opportunity for a follow-on to be able to say, well, let's, let's look at maybe there's another scripture or there's a clarifier word or there's something in a footnote that will clarify the meaning. But it helps people think about what it means. And then when we get to complete, it's just like in a missionary discussion. It's what are you going to do about it? So if I can share screen one more time, I'll bring you yeah, back. Let me, let me ask you a quick oh, question, Jana, just with the flow of it. So, for example, and again, not that there's this absolute structure that you'd recommend, but you know, you may like start a lesson, maybe show a quote, and then ask some questions to the general class and, and look in the chat box for some responses. And then you'll say, okay, let's let's break up and let's go into some breakout rooms and you give them a question or a thought to discuss in there and, and maybe focus on what are you feeling during that? And then you make those break rooms available. They go there for about maybe two, three minutes. And then... Yeah, you need to have about two minutes per person. Okay. Especially oh, two minutes per for, person. Especially for adults, anything less than that is too fast. For kids, they're still finding their way in some of that space. I tend to, it's interesting, Kurt, and you know, this is... This is my own personal bend, and I am less inclined than I used to about putting a lot of context at the beginning. I remind them, so if you stop and think about, let me actually ask you this question instead of telling you what I was going to say, Okay. which is what I think good instructors do anyway. <laughs> so if you stop and you think about what is the purpose of our meeting virtually and in some ways, I f it feels like there's a heightened urgency around having crystal clarity about why we're having those meetings. If they are once a month for 30 minutes, what is the purpose of that meeting? We have to know that because if we're not sure, then we will try to cram too much into a 30-minute mm -hmm. time. So what's your opinion? This is an opinion question. What do you think the purpose of a 30-minute Sunday School Relief Society Young Women young men primary class is what's the purpose yeah i mean it, my mind goes back to that scripture of instruct and edify but maybe that's too vague it'd be mm. i mean to uplift that individual and in, or invite them to come unto christ right engage with christ and his doctrines i love kurt notice notice how you progressed through your thinking mm -hmm. to the last thing you said to engage to engage with the doctrine of Christ, to engage with the Spirit, to engage with the Savior, to engage with others who are engaging with Him. It means we have to let go of the mindset that we had before, that if I am a teacher, I have a lesson to teach. Oh, no, we don't. Hmm. Our biggest job, we are the connector. There's a way that I believe that the person who leads the classroom, and I believe instructor is the wrong word, 
It is to facilitate engagement with the spirit. It is to help those who are there to see what they cannot see and feel what they didn't know they're feeling. It's to bring to awareness my connection to you, yours to me, ours to him. Because if we have that, we can get through anything, Kurt. We can get through anything. And even if it's only for 30 minutes that I'm with others in my ward, it's interesting. I'm just going to make a comment about this because our first Relief Society meeting, uh, the Relief Society presidency was terrified. That's why they reached out to me. I'm not in the Relief Society presidency, but they said, please help us. We're so scared. Do you know that we had sisters who stayed on that Zoom room for 30 minutes after they did not want to leave? They were so hungry. They were craving the kind of conversation that was being created. There is such a longing. And so I believe we have to shift our mindset. We are no longer teaching lessons. We are creating an engagement with the spirit. We are multipliers of the spirit and creating a connection between them and the Savior. And that is a different role description than what we have given ourselves in the past. We got to do it different because it's not what we've done before. Yeah. And so what would you say? The one question that comes through and I'll sort of summarize it, but you know, I think some people, they naturally sort of are uncomfortable with this type of structure being put in a breakout room. And, you know, I'm, I'm just here to learn just, you know, they almost want the teacher just to talk at them for 30 minutes. You know, how do we make this uh, more comfortable so that people feel like they want to be a part of this more dynamic experience on in a virtual classroom? So, My first comment, Kurt, is that I don't believe it's our job to create comfort. Mm. I think the Savior does a grand job of creating discomfort. Yeah. Divine discontent. I think if we do attune properly, and I, I would encourage people, don't skip creating agreements. They have to understand what to expect. And I'm going to tell you, you bet they're going to be uncomfortable. You know why? Because if I come and all I do is listen, I have zero responsibility. Yeah. Engagement means responsibility. Engagement means my heart and my mind are in. If you talk at me for 30 minutes, I'm not necessarily engaged. In fact, I may not be engaged at all. One of the things that I love, it's a, it's a Tony Robbins quote, so I'll give him credit, but he says, passive learning leads to passive application. Active hmm. learning leads to active application. What we're talking about here is active learning. And active learning leads to active application. If we want our youth and our young people and our fellow saints who are wrestling, some of them with great and painful things, to actively apply the doctrine of Christ in their life, then we cannot be passively teaching. And so I believe that the best we can do is we've got to be teaching people and helping to create new expectations. We need to be talking differently about the purposes of our meeting together. We are here today to have an experience with the Savior together. We are going to invite him to be here. The Holy Ghost is going to speak to you and it's going to teach you things in your mind and your heart. And if you listen for it, you'll hear it. And I'm going to ask you from time to time what you notice. And I have been bold with my 14-year-olds just like I was right here. I've said exactly what I just said to you. And you know what? It's happened. Those 14-year-olds, you would think they were prophets and apostles in the making. I have watched them speak and engage with others that I swear I am watching Peter, James, and John when they were 14 years old. Powerful. Because when we set the bar high, they will rise to it. When we tell them to passively sit in their seats and we 
we lecture to them, there is no responsibility for the lecture. They're just tuned out and they're bored. They're probably on their phone. They're probably, you know, I don't know, some, they're just tuned out to something else. They're on Facebook or whatever and trying to multitask. There's no way you can multitask if you're teaching this way. It's impossible. In fact, I usually, that's probably the, that's the fourth agreement that's not on the screen that I always say is it will be impossible for you to multitask. So you need to be somewhere where you can be, have it quiet. We would like you to keep your camera on and your microphone muted while we're together, but unmuted when you're in your breakout room, because we want to hear and see each other and and your eyes or your voice or your words in the chat box. Somebody's going to be touched today because you were here. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's great advice. And Art says, I'll put this on the screen here. He says, uh, so pre-framing everything seems to be a huge factor for success in helping others get involved in the experience, right? Oh, Art, that was wise. That was a much better summary than I probably could have given. It really is at the beginning. We are here to have an experience with the Savior. Here are some agreements about how we're going to be together. Are you all okay with it? I'm not going to lecture at you. You're going to be in breakout rooms and engaging with each other. And so this means you need to be on camera, muted when we're together, use the chat box to support each other, and please don't be multitasking. That's it in a summary. Yeah. That's well-spoken art. Good job. Nice. Well, where do we go next? I feel like I uh, took a left turn there. But. Well, no, I don't. It's not a left turn. And I, for those who are linear thinkers, I apologize because we've <laughs> rabbit-holed a few times. Uh, yep, that's although great. it's a very simple, you know, we've been talking about this arc. It's a very simple arc where we start with a tune. We've talked through a tune. Reframe is usually one point followed by an opportunity. Uh, what word or phrase jumps out at you, usually in the chat box, or else you could ping around the room because what word or phrase jumps out at you, there's no wrong answer. So nobody's yeah. afraid of that one. So you can either do chat box or you can ask for that because yeah. it's not scary. And then you can take it one step further. I My two favorite questions were the ones that showed up on the screen earlier. What's important about that to you? I asked you that question. You gave me a brilliant answer. What does that mean to you? That's also brilliant because it starts to flesh out what it's about. And the C in the arc, once we get through that reframe and when you've got about three or four minutes left, you're down to completion. And completion is about commitment. It's about getting people to make a commitment to action. And so almost always what I do, so I'll just, again, I'll show you the slide if you don't mind. Okay. Yep. Uh, not because it's, it's fancy or important beyond after the quote. Uh, this is, I'll put something like this up. Imagine you're living this more fully in your life, whatever the thing is we've talked about. What would it be like? What one thing would you do differently this month to help you get there? Now, let's make this real, Kurt. And I want you to think about, imagine that you are having powerful, sacred, incredible experiences in the virtual classrooms that you're leading and you're part of. What would it be like? And what one thing would you be doing differently to get you there? How would you answer that? You know, I it would definitely be something I would look forward to, you know, something that uh, would, I mean, it would complement my Sunday experience, which, you know, sometimes feels empty now that there's not this routine of going to a building and seeing people shaking hands and those types of things. Mm-hmm. And what, what was the second part of the question? Good. So you were describing what it feels like is that yeah. you would have a greater, you'd have this greater sense of fullness. Yeah. I love that that's where you went, given that we started with the word edify. (laughs) And we talked about how that's about being filled with the spirit. And so I love that where you landed was that I would be more full of the spirit of connection, of warmth, 
The second question is an important one. And often, by the way, just how I do this one, depending on time, sometimes we'll go around and we'll talk about it. But most often in a 30-minute meeting, there isn't room. So I have them go to the chat box and private chat their partner. So go find your partner, send a private chat to your partner and tell your partner what will be one thing you will do differently to help you accomplish more of what we've been talking about here today or to follow through with the impression of the spirit that's come to your mind. What will be one thing you'll commit to? And I'll give them a minute. Go type in the chat box. What will you do? Now, Kurt, what would be one thing you would do differently as you're thinking about how you'd approach your virtual classes differently? based on what, we, what, what we've been talking about here today. Yeah. I mean, I'd definitely be less afraid to ask them to in, engage or participate, you know, whether that's a breakout or in the chat or speaking up, you know, because I see how important that is to the overall focus and the overall edification of, of a class. That's awesome. Now, I'm going to just share with you the resource that I'll provide you, Kurt, that you can send to anyone who wants it. Uh, No strings attached. Uh, (laughs) I will send the PowerPoint deck. And all you have to do is just go in and change the quote every week because essentially, and whatever the question would be, the remember question. And I believe that remember is the best to tune because it calls us back. And then I've got, I've actually got a Word document that I prompt people to use to help them. So let me find teaching virtually in the Savior's way. So just so that you can all see this. So I prompt my class members somewhere along the way, I'll send them what words or phrases or impressions jump out at you as you read this section this week, or as you read this talk this week. As a teacher, these are the questions that when I'm co-teaching with someone, we like to talk through. At the end of this experience, what do you hope class members will have experienced? As you read through the talk or the scriptures or the come follow me section, what two or three points jump out at you as the most important? Which one concept feels like the most important? This is where I use a lot of prayer and thought and inspiration because you've got to select one verse or, you know, one quote, get to the essence of what it's about. And this helps me have a clear bullseye. So I know if I've only got one point to make, this is the thing that it feels like the Savior's wanting. And then what you're going to be excited to see is I've actually created, it's a framework that you literally can follow. And it gives you the timeline in the first column. The section is on a tune. Here's what we're including. And here's some possible approaches. And then you come down here and then we're going to move into, this goes through a tune and then we move into reframe. And here's how you could do that. Here's some possible questions you could ask. And here's how you would get to completion. And I've provided it so that people have the ability to be able to look at that with some directions around just making it easier for teachers who are saying, how do I remember everything that that I heard here today? So all they got to do is reach out to you, Kurt, and say, could I please have a copy of that teaching in the Savior's way virtually or whatever we called it? And and you can just send it to anybody that wants it, post it up on your website, okay. no strings attached, and yeah, perfect. hoping that it will become a resource that can help people who are wrestling with this. And and uh, the Zoom piece isn't very hard if you're using Zoom. Zoom's got some really good videos out there that are just a couple minutes long to teach you how to how you create a breakout room. So it sends people into breakout rooms. It's not very hard. And just getting acclimatized to it, it's super yeah. easy, very intuitive. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, and you sort of touched on it earlier, but as far as like 
class preparation, you know, the, the traditional approach you're called as a Sunday school teacher and, you know, you're studying, you're getting quotes, you're getting, you know, you're printing out uh, white slips that you can pass around and get people to say, and, you know, you almost bring so much structure that you, it's harder to break away from it because man, I put a lot of work into this lesson material, you know? And so, but it sounds like the preparation for this class, like you said, is, is very prayerful, trying to narrow it down to that one quote or message that can maybe launch the class. And then you, according to the spirit and feedback, navigate the class from there. Anything, any other advice as far as preparing for a class like this? Yeah. So here's what I know. If you as a teacher come in filled with fear or worry that you're not going to be enough, if you're hanging your value on your performance, on how they like you, on how they respond, on whether or not you did well, you will interfere with the spirit. There is a way that we have to be willing to do our own version of burying our weapons of war. It is impossible for us to be a no-judgment zone with them if we have not put down our judgment and our fear of ourselves. If we have not put away our worry about getting it wrong, not being good enough, not knowing that we have to assume that we are on the Savior's errand. And just like we hear in the allegory of the olive tree, he is with us. I'm reminded as I share this, and I feel very strongly about what we're talking about, Kurt, the feelings I remember having as a New Stake Relief Society president, I was so scared. I didn't even like Relief Society. My daughter laughed out loud when my name was read from the stand. <laughs> like, hello, you, this is crazy. Do you know who my mother is? Do you know how she feels about Relief Society? So some of that and the, the feelings of inadequacy that often come to us in our callings because we are called upon to stand in the Savior's said, and it is natural for us to feel that way. But if we are clinging to our own fear, we lose sight of representing him and reflecting him. And I have discovered that I have had to do a lot of hard work. And I will never forget when I asked the question that you just asked me of the Lord, what do you want me to let go of? Hmm. So I can be the instrument you need me to be. And his answer was, give me your fear. Give me all of it. Because you cannot bring my love to anyone if you're filled with fear. And I went, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid. I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> and then I spent the next several months inviting him to teach me how to give him my fear. Mm -hmm. And realizing that he was asking me to bury my weapons of war, just like the anti-Nephi-Lehi's and my fear about getting it wrong and the world the world, and even we have created, we have created this. God didn't do it to us. Our church leaders didn't do it to us, but we've created our own version of the world says you're valuable when you make enough money. You're valuable if you're smart enough. You're valuable if you dress the right way. You're valuable if people like you. In the church, I don't, maybe we hold some of that, but I think it's more of I'm valuable if I have the right calling. I'm valuable if I show up right. I'm valuable if my kids do the right thing. I'm valuable. That is all a bunch of lies. Those lies are spun by the adversary. They interfere with and trap us in misery as much as pornography or any sin does. And one of my biggest learnings is that Satan is not going to try to get you and I to go out and down a six pack of something, you know, or, or go smoke weed at our, you know, off hours because we're stressed. He's going to get us preoccupied that we're not enough which interferes with our ability to feel the Savior's love. 
and uh, perfect love casts out all fear. And I, I'm really learning that if I'm going to be able to be the Savior's instrument when I come to teach, whether I'm teaching leaders in Manila, you know, or Kenya or wherever I am, or I'm teaching my 15-year-olds in Sunday school, if I am fearful, I cannot have the Spirit with me to the yeah. degree that I want it. So yeah. it isn't what you're asking me, but it is be willing to do the work. Ask the Lord, Father, what would you have me put down so that I have more of you available to me and more of your love to give to those that I'm teaching? Because our job is not to impart wisdom. Our job is to connect and engage learners. That is a different reason for teaching than all the reasons we've done it before. Yeah. I don't think as a people, we've not caught up to that yet. And I hope it's one of the things that sticks around after COVID is gone because we can't teach the way we used to and get the results that the Lord needs us to have. Yeah. And I know, you know, you talk about discomfort for the, the participants in the class. There's also a level of discomfort for the teacher, right? The instructor that that's trying to facilitate this. It's, it is, can be a little bit scary, but that's where the faith steps in rather than the fear. Right? Yeah. You know, just a short 30-second story, Kurt, that uh, going back to the beginning of my Stake Relief Society era, because that's what got us connected to begin with. Uh, yeah. I remember going to conduct my first one-on-one with a Relief Society president, and I'm thinking, oh, who am I to be doing this? I'm so, I feel so small. And I, for my, more for me than for her, I pulled up an extra chair. We had an empty chair sitting next to us, and I said to her, I'm just going to be honest here. I don't know what I'm doing. But I know the Savior knows you, and He knows me, and I know that as we step into this together, He will be here because where two or three are gathered in His name, He will come. So I'd like to assume, and like you to assume with me, that He's going to be here guiding us both. Now, when I said that, my fear was gone because I acknowledged it. I didn't pretend it wasn't there. I flat out said, look, I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm a little scared. This is my first interview. I've never been in state relief study prison before. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. You maybe don't know what you're supposed to be doing here either. So we'll let him be here, and his presence will give us comfort and will give us both light. And I will tell you, we finished that day. I'm still remembering it because it was so sweet to me. She said, I feel like we've had angels attend us. I feel like we were encircled about by fire. I feel like we're in 3rd Nephi 17 right now. I'll never forget it. It's like, we don't have to know, Kurt. We don't have to be experts at anything. We just have to show up and be on his errand and get rid of our own agendas. And sometimes, at least for me at the beginning, my agenda was I have to feel okay about myself. Yeah. And uh, when I let that one go and just said, okay, Savior, I love you. And you've asked me to do this, so you must trust me. So I'm going to trust you to help me. And it was enough. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, as Tassie says, uh, powerful on the Facebook here. It's just uh, such a encouraging message. And any obviously, we can't solve all the world's problems in uh, one streaming interview here. But <laughs> at any point we've missed that uh, you want to make sure we hit before we wrap up? I think that I would finish by saying not just to you, Kurt, but to all of all who are listening. You, we have been prepared for thousands of years. Our spirits already know. We may have been able to have a lot of details about our life because God could show us everything. We wouldn't remember it anyway. So he could show us everything. But you know what's amazing is that our spirits understood that there was one thing that would cross the veil, that any effort we put in to develop our spiritual gifts before we came here would travel with us. And so we knew that there would be these assignments. 
And we worked and we practiced and we prepared and we prepared for thousands of years. And that knowledge and insight, it's still in you. It's in me. Our spirits know we knew. And we said yes. We couldn't hardly wait. And that gives me confidence when I go, I don't know. And God says, your head doesn't know, but your spirit does. And when you get rid of your fear, then the only thing that's there is there is this light that connects that spiritual intelligence to my conscious mind. And it streams into me and it comes from him. And remembrance is not just a great practice. As we were reading from Mosiah 4, 11 and 12, it literally allows, it's allowed me to remember things that I didn't know that I knew. One of the things that I often teach my instructors when I'm teaching people uh, in, to become facilitators of our content, we've got conscious knowing what you know that you know. You've got unconscious knowing what you know that you don't know that you know. Yeah. You, you, you do know it, but you're not conscious of it. And then there's this thing that you might call universal knowing, and universal knowing is just like, there is this insight that's out there. And when you're completely open, the insight just comes into you and you find it and you had no idea where it came from. And we, we've got this available to us. And as members of this church who have made sacred covenants in the temple, we are a part of a synergy. And it is not just our love here, we who see each other, that we have been taught that I, DNC 84, I have given mine angels charge concerning you. And we are multiplied by powers beyond the veil that we cannot now fully see or understand, nor will we until we're there and we become multipliers of people who are here. And as long as we put down our weapons and we're not afraid, then we, we become part of that spiritual streaming of light and truth and love into the lives of other people. And I believe that is what it means to be a teacher in the church today. It's to be a streamer of light and love and truth, a connector, a multiplier, and help other people figure out how to do that for themselves. And they cannot do that by listening to a lecture anymore. That is no longer sufficient to help people get where they need to be today. That concludes my interview with Deanna Murphy. A big shout out to her. Again, isn't this so powerful? Her way of doing this and just encouraging an individual, de-shaming this process really is hopefully going to help a lot of leaders and teachers out there make for a better Zoom interaction or online classroom. Now, if you'd like to get access or get a copy of that handout she referenced and her slides that she referenced on the uh, on the Facebook Live, you can just simply text the word LEAD to 474747 and that will be included in the email that you get after you do that. So just text the word LEAD to 474747 or we'll put a link in the show notes, uh, basically leadingsaints.org slash subscribe and put your email there and then we'll know where to send the form. And we'll have some other places, hopefully popping up soon on the website, how to uh, access this information from Deanna. So we'd love to hear how you're using it, how it's changing your approach to leading. And so don't hesitate to reach out to us at leadingsaints.org slash contact. And we'd love to hear the positive impact that people like Deanna Murphy are having on those that are listening. And I would love to hear from any of you out there during this time, especially as we're facing some new leadership dynamics, right? Whether it's virtual church or, you know, social distanced individuals or the hardship of, of really getting a community of people together to serve each other. I mean, there's so many new dynamics in this, uh, in this world with this pandemic and so many other reasons. And so if you have a certain question, topic idea that would really help you as a leader, don't hesitate going to leadingsaints.org contact and 
telling us about it. Now, a lot of the time, we don't know how to answer the question that you ask as far as like, well, who, what expert do I talk to? Uh, what resource could we reach out to, to to understand that? But we would love to get a pulse on just how the questions that you may be wrestling with as a leader. We'd love to hear from you at leadingsaints.org slash contact. And I remind you once again to text the word lead to 474747 in order to subscribe to the Leading Saints weekly newsletter. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.